The Incomparable Podcast, number 64, Halloween 2011. We're back on the Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. And in honor of Halloween, we are going to talk about a movie that is not really scary, but is all about ghosts. Uh, It's Ghostbusters uh, from 1984, one of my favorite movies of all time. John Syracuse is not here to tear it apart. I learned my lesson. Instead, here to probably say terrible things about it are uh dan morin dan how many times have you seen ghostbusters uh i i think as i was i was i was confiding a moment ago but now that you've decided to air my dirty laundry uh i think that was earlier this week when i watched it was my second time seeing the whole thing but but jason i how is that possible i need to point out that despite that i i ain't afraid of no ghost I I don't know. If you've only seen it twice, you might actually be afraid. I'm slightly afraid of some ghosts. Okay. All right. He's afraid of the ghosts in this movie. Yes. Serenity Caldwell, whose voice you just heard. How many times have you seen this? Many or or, or only the once? I have seen it more times than I can count. There you go. Not enough times times that it goes in my all-time favorite movies list. But it was definitely a, a, a film on repeat often when I was growing up as a child. All right, that that qualifies you far more than Dan. So excellent work. Also, Woo-hoo. also joining us is my uh, compatriot from many years ago. Uh, he's an old man like me, Ben Boychuk. Hi, Ben. Hey, Jason. Hey, everybody. And how many times have you seen Ghostbusters? Too many to count. Well, yes, but I was going to say, um, since we're old men, uh, three times in the theater. In there the summer go. of 1984. There you go. And then probably 15 times <laughs> since then, including today. <laughs> wow. I I saw it uh, once or twice in the theater in the summer of 84. And I remember when it came out on, on uh, VHS, which was not too long after. I think it was... I mean, at the time, that was not too long. It was like six months later or seven months later. But boy... I watched it on VHS. I cannot tell you how many times. It's probably, I think it's, I want to say it's at least at least 30. It's probably more like 50. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because I just had, I had the tape to the point where now when I watch the uh, DVD or the Blu-ray, which is in widescreen, I actually notice the scenes that were panned and scanned in the VHS. I can I can still remember. Oh yeah, they used to have to pan back and forth for that conversation, and now they don't because it's burned on my brain. Um, anyway, so Ghostbusters should be no surprise to anybody except perhaps Dan. Uh, directed by Ivan Reitman, from a screenplay by two of the stars of the movie, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, um, and then starting starring Aykroyd, Ramis, Bill Murray, Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis. There are lots of giants in this movie. Ernie Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson is in it. Don't yes, forget was, Ernie Hudson. Dear Ernie Hudson. Larry King, Casey Kasem. William Atherton. William Atherton. The great William Atherton. And Roger Grimsby. Newsman Roger Grimsby also in this in a cameo. And uh, Casey Kasem's wife, blonde wife, Jean Kasem, also in this movie. How's that for the knowledge, huh? Uh, also, I think I think I noticed a trivia factoid in Annie this. Annie Potts, I should mention, too. Yes, go was, ahead, Dan. So... William Atherton, <clears throat> excuse me, William Atherton, of course, 
uh, from Die Hard. This is part of the trifecta of William Atherton roles. Right, right, from Die Hard. But I believe there is, in fact, a second Die Hard actor. Al from Die Hard That's is correct. A, a New York <laughs> cop in this movie for one scene. About t- three seconds, right? Yeah. He goes, hey, Ghostbusters, um, the mayor wants to talk to you. Yeah. Hey, that That's counts. It. it counts. It's Al from Die Hard right there. There you go. And Die Hard 2. Yes, but not Die Hard with a Vengeance. Not Die Hard with a Vengeance. And, of no. course, Family Matters. That's a good that's good knowledge. I actually have in my notes something that I didn't really ever think about before, but this time through, when I watched it yesterday, I thought, hey, that's Al from Die Hard. And that's yeah, it. I, 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 you know what? I was just looking at the credits after they rolled, and I said, wait, Reggie Vell Johnson. Yeah, yeah. That's got to be Reginald Vell Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, playing, playing a, playing a, a, a New York City cop. You know, <laughs> he never really got out of that. They must, they must have seen Ghostbusters and said, let's get that guy to be in Die yeah. Hard. Yeah. Yeah, I think they did. So, um, I actually can't go to New York City without thinking about this movie. Um, it's funny because there's so many movies that are set in New York, and it, for whatever reason, you know, when I go past the library with the, the lion statues, I cannot help but think of the first scene of Ghostbusters. When I'm in Central Park and looking over at Central Park West, um, I can recognize the building, even though it had a matte painting on it in a movie, but Spook Central is there on Central Park West. It just doesn't have the top with the, the uh, you know, horrible, horrible demon creatures on it. That's just a matte painting. It's not real. That's probably for the best. It, it, yeah, spook, that Spook Central doesn't actually exist with its selenium girders and uh, made by the animal sacrifice architect, Evo Shandor. <laughs> It might be a little bit hard to get people to live there. I mean, I know New York City is kind of a commodity for real estate, but, uh, you know, well, clearly, there, there are things you draw the line at. Clearly, um, musician Dana Barrett and uh, accountant Lewis Tully felt it was a perfectly fine place to live. Although I guess that, you know, Pre-spooks. <laughs> they, they, uh, they learned their lesson, didn't they? Or did they? I don't know. Um, anyway, so it's funny that, that for me... Um, the setting of New York and and the library and uh, Central Park West and all of that I I just can't it, it's just funny that it, it's it's connected in my brain with it. I I'll admit that the uh, the first time I ever visited New York when I was about twelve or thirteen, my mother insisted that we walk past the firehouse and indeed it is there and and it's a little adorable. Ooh, I haven't done that. Were they didn't they didn't they go for sale or something recently? There was something in in the news about it within the last year where it was either for sale or they wanted to knock it down or something like that. Relax. Everybody has three mortgages nowadays. So there are jokes in this movie, not to skip ahead slightly, but there are jokes in this movie that I'm I'm, I'm fascinated by because as – I don't know the ages, um, Ren and Dan, that you were when you first saw this, but I, 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 I saw it at – well, I don't know. I mean, Dan, you've only seen it twice. For all I know, you saw it last year. I, I cannot I cannot lie. The first time that I can remember seeing the entire thing, and, I, and I'm certain I saw bits and pieces of it before then, the first time I can remember seeing it all the way through was freshman year of college, where it was okay. showed Ooh. on a projected outside uh. on like a big screen for like a freshman movie night in the first like week or two of college. And I remember at the time thinking... Like, I, you know, to say to you, to my defense, to a certain extent, it was like, I really did not like scary movies as a child. And this is not a super scary, scary movie, movie, but there's there's enough parts of it that for me as a kid were kind of scary. The idea of ghosts was a little bit scary. 
So I, I, I as I said, I, I was afraid of some ghosts. Um, but libraries, Dan. Yes, well, library. It, I didn't want to go to the library. Scary there were library there. ghosts. Exactly. I mean, that that might be the scariest ghost in the movie. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, even scarier than the one who looks like David Bowie. Um, so I think, <laughs> I think that the. Um, you know, I, I think I, I watched it as an, as an 18-year-old and thought, this is actually a really funny movie. What was I scared of all those years? And and did find it incredibly amusing at that point. So I, I think I probably got most of those jokes that would have flown over the head of a of me if I had only seen it as a younger as a child. As a 13 or 12-year-old? Yeah. Yeah. Though I was very precocious. So I, you know, some of these jokes, like there are there, there's the joke when Ray takes out the three mortgages on the bank. Uh, uh, or on the at the on, bank on too. his parents on his, the house, parents, his house. parents left him yeah yeah exactly um you know th- i didn't understand that joke uh, and then egon points out that it's like 18 percent interest 19 percent in- interest <laughs> and 90 dollars over the first five years of the loan <laughs> yeah so i i didn't understand any of that and then there is a famous scene later on where um where uh ray uh, awakens to a beautiful ghost hovering over him who unzips his <laughs> pants and moves downward and his eyes cross and he falls out of the bed. And as I remember as a 13 year old thinking that was a hilarious scene, had no idea what it was suggesting. So that's just, that's just, that's just slapstick comedy, right? It's like three stooges stuff. Yeah. There's nothing she, else. she unzipped his pants and he Hilarious. He his eyes crossed now and his he fell pants out of the are bed. unzipped. Man, that's that he's gonna, it's he's like gonna a trip prank. and fall down. It's like yeah, it's like she tied his shoelaces together. Yeah. It's a form were, of that. You were weren't you about fourteen years old Thir- when you thirteen. Thirteen? Yeah. Huh. Yep. Nope. No idea. How about that? What about, so, innocence so you, lost. You were, you were totally yeah. No, innocence maintained. Cl- yes. cluelessness maintained. Yeah. yeah, I, I kind of knew. All right, you know it was a it was a magic summer, nineteen eighty four. Olympics were in Los Angeles. Ghostbusters came out. My I remember my mom driving me and a couple of my pals down to the Alex Theater in Glendale, California, I'll be to Alex. see it. And uh, yeah, it was great. That was that that was really uh, that was really magic. My. Um well, for me, that was the summer um, between high school or between elementary school and high school, and uh, I remember my friends and I with nothing to do in this on those on a bunch of summer nights after we saw Ghostbusters, where we would just wander around, actually a ghost town where I grew up, um, seeing if there was any paranormal activity. Spoiler alert: the only thing paranormal was us. Anyway, for those of us who were who were paying attention or and or alive in in the summer of 1984, um, yes, I was not alive. No, I'm alive. sure my parents. I'm sure my parents went to go see it in Los sure. Angeles. So in a way, you've seen it. It's in your race memory. Yes, it's exactly. in the DNA. That's good. As I grew up be. with Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, <laughs> as it should be. So, um, so the movie begins with a scary ghost in the library. Um. And uh, I believe this is one of the first movies ever to not to completely avoid a credit um, a credit sequence at the beginning of the movie. I think I read somewhere that they actually had to do something, get some special approval 
so that it just shows the title and that's it from the director's guild I yeah believe. yeah one of the guilds yeah was very up in arms about it yeah so it's it just you know ghostbusters and the song plays for a second and that's it and that's it until the end of the movie and we're immediately in columbia university um which made a deal with uh the filmmakers that they could film at columbia university they just couldn't ever say the name <laughs> so they didn't um and we and we drop in on uh, Peter Venkman, played by Bill Murray, um, who is conducting an experiment into ESP that is the most uh, uh, just horrible uh, breach of scientific protocols you will ever see. Figure eight. Incredible. That's five for five. You can't see these, can no, you? No, no. You're not cheating me, are you? No, I swear they're just coming to me. I don't like this. You only have 75 more to go. What's this one? Just a couple of wavy lines. Sorry, this isn't your lucky day. <laughs> no. Hey! I'm getting a little tired of this. You volunteered, didn't you? We're paying you, aren't we? Yeah, but I didn't know you were going to be giving me electric shocks. He is the skeeziest yet most lovable professor I think has ever been put on screen because alternately you want to kick him in the balls and you also want to hug him. And I don't, I can't wrap my head around this. Yeah, I'm not sure he really grows during the movie. Either. No, he starts not at out all. pretty. I mean, he is. I think the, uh, the the what I wrote down in my notes is unrepentant fraud. Yeah. He's just he is putting the moves on the little blonde uh, coed from Charles in Charge. And uh, right, I think she's is still, she from? Is that where she's from? I think really? Charles in Gen- Charge. Is it? It's is it Jennifer, Jennifer Runyon? Runyon? Yeah. I, you know, because I, I looked her up because I, you know, I looked at all this up on IMDb and, you know, again, to, oh, to, yeah. to just get a sense of, you know, how old this movie is and how old we are. Um, <laughs> that, that woman, I mean, you know, this lovely co-ed is now 51 years old. Oh, sure. Sure. But at the time, pretty, bro- pretty blonde co-ed from Charles in Charge. Um, also, again, showing what a clueless 13-year-old I was, you know, I... I got that Bill Murray was putting the moves on her, but I didn't really get that he was pretty much locked in on, you know, give me an hour or so. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, God. So what, I mean, it's funny. It's a really funny scene. He shocks the guy, even though he gets one of the cards right. He tells her everything she does is right. But at the same time, you know, you, he is, he is introduced as being this, you know, total fraud. Uh, yeah, just uh, funny since he's the it's, main character, it, it, right? Yeah, not only not only that, but um, you know, there there are, you could argue there's a parallel between his character here and William Atherton's character in another one of your favorite movies. Um, oh, in in Real Genius. Yeah, he, I mean, they're, he's they're, the college they're, professor. They're the flip sides, unethical. right? Right, they're flip sides of the same coin. Brilliant, Dan. Do you think about that? Yeah, you I'm going to dro- drop some knowledge in this podcast. This nice. is English major stuff. We've tied it to Die Hard and Real Genius now. It's the I'm going to tie it podcast. to every seminal movie of the 80s. Well, no, I mean, in this first, this first five minutes um, at, at Columbia, um, or, you know, fictional Columbia, Empire State University, for Spider-Man fans, um, at, at at the fictional, fictional Columbia, um, there's a lot of good stuff, because the dean comes... And says that, you know, we're kicking you out because you're frauds, which we've seen that they are. Although we we meet, um, you know, we meet Ray and Egon and they seem to be more enthusiastic 
and uh, uh you know they're more enthusiastic about what they're what they're doing and maybe it turns out actually know something about what they're doing but the the dean comes and kicks them out and that leads to this uh, this great scene where they're where they're drinking right out of a bottle and uh and uh, staring out on the campus and talking about how um out when you're not in when you're not in college um which Venkman has never been outside of a college campus. Um, you actually held to, you know, they, they, they expect results in the real world, which is a, it's a really funny um, set, set of scenes where these guys are being, are being kicked out. And, and, you know, Venkman especially is, is, has essentially been freeloading his entire life. I know, I know some PhDs who have been like that. <laughs> Most of them study things that are marginally more, verifiable than parapsychology and, and what have and, you. But. And psychology, right? Yeah. Two, two PhDs he holds because he's been there that long. It's, uh, he's classy like that. No, I mean, I think, I, you know, I it's got very real things to say about this, the uh, our tenure system in this society. <laughs> it's very meaningful. That's what yeah. you're saying. No, it's deep. I'm saying this entire movie is, has its layers. Ghostbusters was for a long time, I think, the highest growing, grossing comedy movie of all time. Mm-hmm. And it made something like two hundred and forty million. And it was really the 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 first comedy to the with with like special effects, the first sort of special effects comedy to be a hit. And it really kind of created the genre of the um, of the um, summer comedy blockbuster. And and from there you get Back to the Future, and you can draw a line from there all the way to like Men in Black and 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 other movies that are action, but they're also comedy. Um, but Back to the Future, you know, which was the big hit of the following year, I really think that that there's a, you know, Ghostbusters success was one of the reasons why it it really kind of paved the way for Back to the Future. So in back to back years, we got these great, um, sci-fi comedies, basically, um. Which is, uh, you know, it's pretty funny when you think about it. It's not normally you wouldn't really necessarily combine those things in a major motion picture, I guess. But well, action and comedy, science action, fiction, com- all all in one. It's all a wrapped it's together. A, it's a it's a genre bender, right? Because because Ghostbusters is is at its core, uh, you know, it's a comedy, but it's got. I remember at the time. Now I, I realize you guys from your. From your perspective, I mean, it's it's this '80s movie, and the special effects are obviously miniatures, and there's a lot of rotoscoped kind of uh, stuff. But at the time, it really um, it it blew away audiences that the effects were what they were, because I don't think anybody came into that movie expecting it to have big budget kind of Hollywood special effects, and that's what those are. That Ghostbusters actually has that. Yeah, I mean, I I was thinking about that as I watched it and and sort of, you know, thinking of movies that came out around similar times. And certainly it doesn't necessarily have the same. I mean, this is, what, a year after Return of the Jedi, which I would argue has much better special effects. But obviously that's sort of like, you know, the guy <laughs> like a, bigger, on, a little bit well, bigger not, budget. Too. It's a bigger budget. And it's, the guy who's <laughs> on the, it's on the guy who's on the cutting edge of special effects. Right. But, you know, that aside, the effects are actually still pretty good. Um, and I, you know, some of the, uh, especially a lot of the ghost stuff early on and you know what later, you know, I don't want to skip ahead, but like, you know, safe puff marshmallow man, pretty awesome. Yeah, that it is. It is, you know, growing up, 
because I watched I watched a lot of eighties movies growing up because that's what just we had in our illegal beta tape collection. Um, so I watched, you know, when I was when I was young, my parents to get away from having to rent lots of movies would borrow movies from their friends and rent movies from Blockbuster and then rip everything from our VHS oh, yes. player to our beta player. That was common. So. Per- that was a common procedure. I, I admit is there the a statute of limitations here, guys. <laughs> I think there is. I admit the yes. Ghostbusters that I watched time and time again was copied um, one VCR <laughs> to another. Um, but and I feel, don't feel so bad since I've now bought it. I don't know how many times on other forms. Exactly, you've you've more than paid for it. I think but so. I who, mean, who among us hasn't uh, broken the? Well, anyway, <laughs> go on. Moving forward, uh, mo- but most of the movies I've watched, I'd say, you know, from age four or five to age fourteen, were all '80s movies with varying levels of special effects and and varying you know levels of comedy. And watching those, I didn't really note, like, it wasn't in my brain to notice the special effects. It was just more like, hey, a hundred foot tall Stave Puff Marshmallow Man. That's awesome. And the, you know, ghosts. That's really cool. Not, hmm, that mat line looks a little right. strange. You know, yeah. when I. You could appreciate I, it on the, on the kind of pure level that this is a ghost it, story that's also a comedy. Exactly. I got completely wrapped up into the film. And when I saw it, I think I had like a five or six year gap between the the last time I saw it when I was a kid and then maybe I saw it again when I was 17 or 18. And rewatching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess there are, you know, there are problems and there are bits. But this is is still a really funny movie. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I mean, most of my favorite films are from that time period. And, you know, Empire and Jedi. And I'm like, you know what? Matt lines don't really matter so much because the story is great. You know, as as I was watching it again today, it, it occurred to me that, I mean, I was thinking about the special effects and I thought they were all pretty good except for two things. Um, when the the devil dog is, is chasing uh, Rick Moranis, um, there, there's a couple of oddities. When the, when the thing moves, it looks doesn't look very good. And, and, and the second, just the, by f- by far the worst special effect in the whole thing is, is uh, Sigourney Weaver's hair. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 they just don't know what to do with sigourney weaver's hair no those are those uh the terror dogs are like stop motion animation it's yeah. like ray harryhausen kind of kind of stuff I'm, i kind of i kind of i kind of enjoyed that that aspect of it honestly like from a from sort of a nostalgia perspective ivan reitman has not gone back and and created a special edition of uh of Ghostbusters with CGI terror dogs or anything like that. So thank goodness for that. And God forbid if he did. Yeah. No, that's, that would be bad. Let us, let us put the stake in the ground right now. No CGI stop motion dogs. All right. So we've already talked about Bill Murray. Um, Let's talk about the rest of the Ghostbusters. We have Ray Stance, the heart of the Ghostbusters played by Dan Aykroyd. He is the most enthusiastic guy ever. He is very excited. He comes in to the to Columbia to their office and and says, "Oh, it blew books off shelves. It buried the needle. It's really exciting." Um, and uh, I love Dan Aykroyd in this movie. He's just um, he, he's just super excited. I, I guess in real life, Dan Aykroyd believes in ghosts and other paranormal things, and you know whatever. But he he uh, the, his character Ray is just like childlike with enthusiasm about all things ghostly. He has one of the best lines in the movie, which is, I- I've worked in the private sector. They expect results. 
I wonder where he worked in the private sector, though. Really? <laughs> I like it being left. Where, where was he employed? I mean, he's very happy. <laughs> private ghost research facility. The government. Oh, I don't know. I could just see him as, you know, a grad school student Re- working part time. Retail. With retail. <laughs> retail. <laughs> yeah, that may be it. That actually might be it. And then there's um, and then there's Egon Spengler played by uh, Harold Ramis, who is the very serious um, scientist who collects spores, molds, and fungus. Um, declares that print is dead. Which yeah, I I had to laugh at that one <laughs> in 1984. Yeah, yeah. He's I was delightful. like, oh, he must be reading magazines on his iPad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The thing, he wasn't, Harold Ramis, I believe, wasn't actually supposed to play Egon originally. I was and... just reading the trivia page. <laughs> Apparently, no, none of the characters were like, supposed to be played by the actors who ended up playing them. Peter Venkman was supposed to be John Belushi. Belushi. Yeah. Louis yeah. Tully was supposed to be John Candy. Winston yeah. was supposed to be Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Gozer was supposed to be Paul Rubens. <laughs> just the entire, <laughs> the entire cast was like, eh, you yeah, know. Yeah, they didn't get those guys. Imagine that movie. I don't. Would that know movie if have been better, be better or worse. Yeah. I don't know if it could have been better. I think Bill Murray, um, especially, is Bill Murray so, is pretty yeah. is so great in this in this part. Um, but there's some good there's some good stuff. I mean, for the for the serious guy, um, Egon has some has some great lines, including I I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Um, and and toward the end of the movie, he asks Rick Moranis for some brain tissue, <laughs> which is a, just a. It's a great. It's a. It's a very nice. Stuff. He's great. Deadpan. You know. Oh yeah. Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? <laughs> Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. I love that commercial. It's so low budget and 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 it's used to set up um, Sigourney Weaver in her apartment. She's watching it, but it, it's so perfect that they. Uh, it's like the most incompetently. <laughs> I mean, shot. having you know, as we I'm sure have all seen our fair share of you know like lawyer commercials or what have you. Uh, on like oh, local yeah. television, and man, it took me back to some of the terrible ones I remember seeing in college when I lived in upstate New York. And it's, I, it, they just nail it. It's, yeah. per, it is tonally perfect for you know <laughs> what it is. Um, so uh, our our first adventure with the Ghostbusters is back at the library, and this is for me. This is the moment where I realized that I that I love this movie unconditionally, and it's when. It's not when they walk in and and uh, talk to the librarian and 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 uh, ask her if she's menstruating and, and Bill Murray shouts, "Back off, man! I'm a scientist." <laughs> it's not that. It's when it's when they're walking down the stacks and there's a giant pile of books in the center of the stacks. This is hot, Ray. Symmetrical book stacking, just like the Philadelphia man's turbulence of 1947. You're right. No. Human being would stack books like this. Um, that's when I just realized this is the this is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. It's uh, I, mean, I worked in a library. It's true. No human would stack books like that. And because you've got that great interplay, it's a uh, it's almost Star Trek like in that you've got the um, you've got the the serious person, the enthusiastic person, and that kind of uh, uh, I don't know how you describe Bill Murray other than unrepentant fraud, but he's the, he's the well, he's, he doesn't he doesn't believe it. 
and he's really in it for the girls. And then and then you've got Ray who's who's so enthusiastic, and then Egon who is dead serious. And so then they're walking through the library together, and and Ray, Ray's big plan is get her <laughs> to, the, to a ghost. How would you get a ghost? Um, I you know get her. You, you work with what you got. Get her. So they hadn't really thought it out. So it shows these guys are not are not thinking practically. But but as they walk out of this, they get the idea to form the the Ghostbusters company, which which um, until they get lucky and there's a horrible spate of uh, of ghost attacks, it seems like a probably a really bad idea. <laughs> they get the they get the overpriced uh, firehouse, but it's but got they a, have pole. a pole. <laughs> you got to try this pole. Uh yeah, so that's another thing that I didn't get when I was a kid, which is that Egon is running down the firehouse, listing everything that's wrong with it. Right. In front trying of the real to get estate them, agent. Trying to get them to drop the price. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Which at the time, I just thought he was listing the things that were bad. But no, he's playing the real estate agent. And then Ray just jumps down the pole and goes, I want to get my stuff and stay here tonight. <laughs> All right. Fine. Oh, Ray. Yeah, that's great. That's just, but I did, I had no idea because you know a thirteen year old kid doesn't know about <laughs> real estate, real estate and financial and mortgage jokes. I was flipping underwater mortgages when I was thirteen. Kind of Jason, strange. I don't know about you. You were flipping mortgages while underwater. Yes, I. It was a scuba thing. The one thing that's out of place there, though, we were, we we brought this up earlier, but I mean the one thing we didn't mention was the nineteen percent interest rate. Which we're not even close to that now. I mean, that's very much, yeah. very much an early 1980s thing, right? But uh, they should have thrown in a joke about you know the Iran Contra affair. <laughs> no, that was er, that that was a little bit later. That was, a later, bit, that was later, a little bit later. They should have yeah talked about Chernenko or over uh, overthrowing the Shah. I don't know. Next stop, Spook Central, Central Park West, the apartments of. Uh, uh, Dana Barrett and Lewis Tully. So Sigourney Weaver, um, not exactly aliens, right? <laughs> Still no, supernatural, but, but no, but but that was two years before Aliens, right? Or two or two or three years? Or before Aliens? Aliens. It's after Alien. After Alien, but but aliens, aliens came out in '86, right? Right, right. Yeah. No, yeah. it's after Alien, though. So she's not a totally. Um, you know, action movie person because her role in Alien is is not is not quite that. No. But um, interesting interesting part. She's she is one of only really what two women in this movie, unless you count count Gozer. Gozer. <laughs> um, we, you know, a lot of men in this movie. Uh, you know, and she's but she's really sympathetic. I think it's interesting that you know she she sees a ghost she sees she sees zool in her refrigerator and uh goes to the ghostbusters um you know but she's the one who's not putting up with any of bill murray's uh crap which i kind of like that that she she is not until she's possessed anyway you know he wants to have her but she's not taking any crap from him because he's more like a game show host right well, she doesn't take right. any crap from men on either side of the spectrum because she doesn't put up with Venkman, but she also doesn't put up with Lewis. Right. <laughs> so, well, she's way before. I mean, she that, that guy is, you know, she isn't going to. Yeah. 
No. Way she below crush, her. She doesn't crush him, though, right? She's, no, but she's it's in of... a very nice. She knows how to push away people depending on their personality types. And, you know, Venkman, she has to be a little sarcastic, too. And then Lewis is just kind of like, oh, honey, no, no, no. I've, no. I've got to go to rehearsal now. Maybe you know, there, there's a deleted scene. Um, and it comes at the end of the movie. But but uh, there's a deleted scene uh, where... where um, you know, poor, poor Lewis says, um, Hey, did, did you and I, uh, and, and she says to him very firmly, very, very sternly. No, no, we didn't. <laughs> no, no. So, which is totally, you know, which is totally not true, but you know, yes. as a, again, as a 13 year old, maybe it was unclear, but it's clear that the key master and the gatekeeper, you know, something had to happen. <laughs> Those those names They've are got not to metaphorical. Unlock that gate. Open the gate. Where, where does the key go? The gate. Nobody knows where the key went. Who knows? That was a question teenagers were asking themselves for years. Yeah. After afterward, it's true. Um, uh, Rick Moranis, uh, you know, kind of funny performance. He's not. He, he's he's kind of funny as Lewis. He's absolutely hilarious once he is possessed by uh, by the the uh, by Vince Clortho, Keymaster of Gozer. At that point, it's off the charts that he's. I don't. That's the. I don't think he's human. You're quite a humanitarian. I don't think he's human. <laughs> scene where he shows up on the monitor as as the dog, and he's sniffing the bowl. Of popcorn, wiping and, the pizza on his face. Yeah, I was basically yeah. I was basically that guy in high school. <laughs> Gozer the Traveler. He will come in one of the pre-chosen forms. During the rectification of the Valdrani, the Traveler came as a large and moving torb. Then, during the third reconciliation of the last of the McKetrick supplicants, they chose a new form for him, that of a giant slore. Many shubs and zools knew what it was to be roasted in the depths of the slore that day, I can tell you. And and then running around, like, kind of this weird, like, his his legs are spread wide apart, and he's kind of loping around and looking up at the sky. The prisoners will be released. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love that. That's great. And he, again, he's, he's like, in three scenes, right? Because then he gets taken over by the dog, and he's gone. Until the end. Well, we see him in the party, right? Right, well, yeah. Who brought, who brought the dog? Right. Which apparently was all one take and improvised. Yeah, that's a good. Um, th- that's a that's a great scene, the party scene, because that's where he explains that he, in order to get a tax deduction, he's invited clients instead of friends. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? We have Janine. Janine, yes, our other our other female <laughs> character, unless you count Gozer, uh, Annie Potts as the. Uh, she's she's like out of another movie, isn't she? Like out of a movie from the forties. She's the crusty yeah. uh, crusty receptionist. But it makes the entire it makes that it makes the business because you just you know you have the Ghostbusters who are more or less bumbling along and you have her you know I I don't take crap from nobody with the you know with the Brooklyn accent and ah oh, it's great right and Bill Murray tells her you know hey if you don't like it I'm sure you could get a job in the food service <laughs> or housekeeping or industries, housekeeping yes. industries yeah. Yeah, she's got. She's. Um, I've quit better jobs than this. You know, there's there's somebody like that at every single job. You may not see her, but she's there. She's there, <laughs> lurking. It's there's different. Always, kind of there's always one. She starts out enthusiastic when her job involves nothing but sitting and and reading because she's a big reader. She's she's quite intellectual. Quite intellectual, yeah. <laughs> um, while Egon is underneath her desk setting up her computer for her. 
Um, and and she's <laughs> she's yes, that, I'm sure that's what he's doing down there. Cause that was that of a course. was that a euphemism? Uh, yes, he was. In, yes, he was setting up her PC. And uh, <sighs> and uh, the uh, I don't know what you're talking about. The, the ghost just unzips his pants and he falls out of the bed. That's you all have to put the explicit tag. I don't know on this what one. you're talking about. Um, this is rated PG. What do you mean? Um, the uh, but later when she's overworked, that's when she's very funny because she's that. That's when her her hello Ghostbusters becomes Ghostbusters. What do you want? <laughs> I just love the first the the first switch where it's like, yes, of course they're serious. Hello, Ghostbusters. Yes, of course they're serious. You do? You have? No kidding. Uh-huh. Well, just uh, just give me the address. Yes, of course. Oh, they'll be totally discreet. We got one! And then she just screams and slams the alarm. It's great! Yeah, that's a good moment. And, then, and that's when they're at their low point, right? Because they're eating the Chinese food with the last of the petty cash, and they've run out of money, and nobody is ever going to call your the food. Ghostbusters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chew your food. It, it's all we've got. It's a call. And they get the call, and they slide down the poles, and they're off in the Ectomobile to, uh, to Snooty Arms Hotel, I guess. Which is the L.A. Biltmore Hotel, by the way. Uh, it is. I've, nice. I've had many a, a rubber chicken in, uh, I think, that particular in that ballroom, ballroom. Yeah. In the Snooty Arms Hotel? I've only had one. You outrank me on rubber chickens. Oh, God. I've had so many rubber chickens. So many. I'm, I'm actually half rubber. Are the, uh, are the uh, uh, chandeliers, the lovely chandeliers, still there? Yeah, I think so. Or were those yeah. trick chandeliers? Those were, I think those, those were trick chandeliers, uh. yeah. I remember actually setting up a bar mitzvah. I got a, I got like my one of my many part time jobs there, and coming in, it was like for like a kid bar mitzvah with with cats as the theme or something like that. And looking at the chandeliers, <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, this is the Ghostbusters hotel. And I got very very excited and insisted that they use one of the portable like the disposable cameras to take a picture of me like with the with the pose. <laughs> and it was. Yeah, that's that's my one story about that hotel. Did you say cat themed bar mitzvah? It really or cat themed bat mitzvah, excuse me. But yes, it was cat themed. There were like little kittens on or not real kittens, but but paper mache kittens on every table. I got like forty bucks for that job. That was good for twelve, thirteen year old. Awesome. Wow. Let's see. Back to ghosts. Jesus, so, so, that just killed the thing right so there. So bar mitzvah stories <laughs> is the topic today. <laughs> I'll never speak of cats again. Um, the uh, and then they and then they put a cat on a chair and picked it up and danced around with it. <laughs> no, now you are a tomcat. Um, they uh, so they go up in the elevator and and uh, and uh, this is a great. The sequence in the hotel is great because the hotel is just trying. I don't who at the hotel says I know. We have the, it's a ghost. Let's call the Ghostbusters. So they come and they they almost kill a maid and, and send her set her toilet paper on fire don't forget uh, they're all wearing particle accelerators unlic- <laughs> an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on their yeah. backs um where they got those someone saw a cockroach up on i 12. need to know um uh yes they, i think they got some uh bite your head off man i, I think they, i i think they got some uh uh plutonium from libyans, libyans. wait a second that's a totally different we're movie. crossing the streams we are crossing the stream see look at that um so one of one of the the big laugh line in this movie is he slime me where where um 
Ray tries to zap the the green gelatinous blob, and it just scares him away. And he runs through the wall and runs into Venkman, charges Venkman. Uh, and we cut away and we see Venkman laying on the ground. He's covered in, in ectoplasmic goo. And he says, he slimed me. And I remember the theater erupting with laughter for like a minute. And when you watch the movie, you can actually tell that they tried to build in some pause, knowing that would be a funny line. But I always thought that the that that there were two good jokes after that line that nobody ever hears, which is... Actual physical contact. Well, so there's I Feel So Funky, which I think is a hilarious line by Bill Murray. And and then um, Ray says, I'm with Bankman. He got slimed. And Egon says, great, save some for me. Save some. <laughs> That's right. I, I have to say, as a, as a kid, I did have, I believe I had some Ghostbusters action figures, um, including I had like a little plastic... Uh, Slimer, like, like yeah, a container full of slime, full of ectoplasm. Oh, nice! Which was like the awesomest stuff. If you're like, it's I don't, I, it's the same stuff they use to make like uh, teenage mutant ninja Turtle ooze and stuff like that. But it's, it's that crazy like goo. Well, yeah, it's, like it's gooey, great, but though. it's hard. But it's gooey, but it's not like sticky or anything. It's got this weird. It's it's I don't know. I don't it's understand. Coded. I don't know how they make it. Maybe it's real ectoplasm. I'm not sure, but it's awesome. It's people. It's ectoplasm is people. Ectoplasm is people. Explains a lot. Yeah, yeah. So they go into the ballroom and uh, and destroy it. <laughs> Which... I forgot to tell you something very important, Jason. Don't cross the streams. Don't cross the streams. It seemed extraneous at the time, and yet it becomes important to the plot later on. <laughs> yes, it's it, did it seem extraneous? He he deliberately pauses <laughs> after they've done this. By the way, well, no, because it's a plot joke. point, plot point, plot point. But it's a jo- it's a good joke, right? Because it's a, you yes. know it would be bad. <laughs> It would be bad. Imagine every particle in your body exploding at the speed of light. Right. Bad. Good tip. Um, that that so, that that scene I did I like quite a bit. So there's that's a great scene because there's there's um there's the escalating they're trying there's the action right they're trying to chase it and 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 learn how to use this equipment and there's nice shooting techs and all of that. Meanwhile, they keep cutting outside the ballroom and and playing the sound effects of glass things being destroyed while the while the uptight hotel manager is like uh, actually I think literally has a handkerchief and is touching it to his forehead mopping off his sweat <laughs> well and and you know they're only half really trying to catch it right because Venkman's got that whole scene with oh I always wanted to try this where he pulls <laughs> right. the tablecloth out <laughs> the flowers are still flowers standing, are still standing. Uh, but it, you know, like you know, that's sort of you know typical for his character I guess yeah so they totally are wrecking you know again they're they're there to help the hotel and they 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 manage right like marks. minutes before a wedding reception, presumably, they completely destroy the ballroom. Uh, but, but they, they cap- kicked its ass. But they capture a ghost. Don't look at the trap. I looked, I at, looked the at the trap. trap. <laughs> <laughs> I love the design. I have to say, you know, so from a production design standpoint, I love the design of the entire the Ghostbuster. I love the jumpsuits, the equipment. I love the proton packs. The trap is such a cool yeah, the little metal box with the that handle. You slide out mm-hmm. and then you have like the like the foot pump that yeah. you that you open it with. I wanted one of those when I was a kid. I remember that. I think I think I have to say most of my exposure to the Ghostbusters actually came from the fact that there was a Ghostbusters cartoon. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I definitely saw a lot of. The real Ghostbusters. Yes. Not yes. because there was a fake Ghostbusters cartoon as well. Which yes. is very confusing when you're like five years old and you're like I, I thought it said Ghostbusters. Why do they this sound differently? Right. 
Um, but I, I, so I had, you know, some of the toys and stuff. And I think there was at one point a toy, like proton pack and a toy uh, trap you could get. And I really wanted the trap. Oh, there was, there awesome. was. It had little LED lights, but it didn't actually do anything. It's very I mean, sad. Didn't, didn't catch ghosts? I, you know, me? you kind of have to hope. It's the same thing when you get a lightsaber as a kid. You, know, you secretly kind of want it to turn on. And cut off somebody's arm. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's a lot of people's arms that would cut off. So, um, so one of the things in this in this movie that I, I think is fascinating, we we're, we're up to the scene where, um, and I'm not going to go see. It actually sort of all kind of goes in a rush after after the next scene. Um, but uh, uh, Ernie Hudson comes in to the firehouse and uh, is given the most perfunctory job interview ever by Janine. I love. I love Winston Zedmore. He's a great character. He's just the guy who's looking for a paycheck. He he is. He's it is Ernie Hudson. You know, I don't know if if it had been Eddie Murphy and they had brought him in sooner and had him be more of a wisecracking guy. I like I like Winston. He is uh he yeah, he's a he's a guy and he's got opinions. I mean, he and Ray have a great conversation about um, you know, what if uh, the book of Revelation is true and what they're really seeing is the end of the world and and I really like that. Uh, I really like that scene. And and when Janine gives him the job interview, he says, "You know, I'll believe anything you want as long as there's a paycheck." Yeah, I know. I like that he's just he's just the schmo who's like, uh, you know, maybe these guys need to hire somebody. Yeah, and and he also has what what may be my favorite line in the entire movie: "This job isn't worth eleven five a year." That's yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> As he's that's about right. to die, killed by a god from another dimension, right. he says, "This job is definitely not worth eleven five a year." I, I thought you were going to go with another line, which I really like, which is Ray. If someone asks you, you're if you're a god, you say yes. Yeah, I always expect that to be M- Bill Murray's line, but it's not. It's no, Winston. it's Winston. No, it's Winston's. <laughs> that's all good. So yeah, no, yeah, it's a great, great character. And he, they, it allows him to explain. There's the whole tell, tell him about the Twinkie, where they're trying to explain about what's going on in terms of the. Uh, As a big Twinkie, that's a big. It's a good character. I mean, it's it, it. He could have easily been the kind of pointless, extraneous Ghostbuster, and I think that the reason that he's in the movie is because um, he's got good. You know, he's got good stuff. He's a good. He's a good character, and and people always make jokes about. Well, there was that fourth. There's the fourth guy, but uh, he's actually a great character, and he brings some. It's a nice extra interaction to the to the three guys to have him. I, I assume he's there mostly because they split him up sort of two and two, and so they want to they want to send him off with Ray and have those scenes over there so Ray isn't by himself. But uh, but he's a great character. Yeah, I, I I really like him. He may be he may be my favorite. Ernie Hudson. So um, he he walks in and and oh and then we get William Atherton right also. <laughs> Uh, about the same time declaring himself he's 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 with the epa i laugh when i think that about this now because he's yeah he's with the epa in the reagan administration i guess he was a career bureaucrat so yeah it's also such a weird choice for a villain the epa yeah right it's odd well you know well who else are you gonna get to chase down the ghostbusters Uh, they got halfway through right and they're like well we need it we need sort of a villain a who's not a multi-dimensional, yeah, yeah, a non-supernatural antagonist. <laughs> let's call William Atherton. <laughs> where where can he work? Um, yeah, let's pick a, let's pick some sort of government. I mean, like they could have gone with like oh. they could have gone with like IRS. You know, everybody hates the IRS. That that could have worked. 
they don't pay their taxes clearly was was um, was the epa the uh, a real subject of ben you know you know politics was the epa in 1984 a a great source of uh of of hatred in uh in the world well n- not the way it is now but don't forget that, <laughs> that that back in the 80s it was um you know james watt who was the secretary of interior um was talking about things among other things he was talking about things like we don't need to worry about environmental protection because the rapture is coming soon. He did say that. <laughs> Words to that effect. It was basically, you know, the, the Lord is going to end the world soon. But, but, um, but yeah, there was. Um, but I, I think there was. Uh, I don't. I don't think that there was the sort of um, uh, regulatory overreach that people like me complain about now but but i think that was certainly on everybody's radar at least or a lot of people's radar but it is a fa- it was a fascinating choice i think i think what really what they wanted was you know we need we need some government bureaucrat to come in and make their lives hell and um and who better than uh, although the irs would have been a good choice who better than the epa yeah sure. yeah and he he is atherton is just <laughs> so, so slimy. <laughs> Can I help you? I'm Walter Peck. I represent the Environmental Protection Agency, the third district. Great. How's it going down there? Are you Peter Venkman? Yes, I'm Dr. Venkman. Exactly what are you a doctor of, Mr. Venkman? Well, I have PhDs in parapsychology and psychology. I see. And now you catch ghosts. Yeah, you could say that. And how many ghosts have you caught, Mr. Hank? I'm not at liberty to say. And where do you put these ghosts once you catch them? Into a storage facility. And would this storage facility be located on these premises? Yes. And may I see this storage facility? No. And why not, Mr. Venkman? Because you did not use the magic word. What is the magic word, Mr. Venkman? Please. And Bill Murray is righteously indignant and should be, but, um, you know, but but in the end they blow up the containment unit. He tells the Con Edison guy to switch off the uh, switch off the grid, and the whole thing blows sky high. Um, but uh, yeah, he's so great because he he has no idea and doesn't care. I, it's even unclear what his motivation is, other than. That he wants to. He's a busybody. Yeah, he's a busybody. That's that's what his motivation is. The guy he wants to he wants the power, right? He's got he power. To, he wants to exercise that yeah. power. Yeah, and you can tell he's the kind I of guy who got tormented. He got tormented by people like Vankman, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Kinda, right. you kind of know men that. are a in kid. criminal violation of the Environmental Protection Act. <laughs> yeah, Arrest them there, at once. There's a, there's a great there's a great um, scene when they're in the mayor's office where, of course, there's. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. We get that. Yes, we get that scene. But there's actually, I I noticed this time watching it that the the police captain who's there, you know, Peck talks about how his theory that the Ghostbusters are drugging everybody with psychedelic hallucinogenic drugs, sensory agents, and and or uh, gases. Yes, and the one police captain says the walls of the twenty third precinct were bleeding. How do you explain that? And it, it, I, I just realized that that's he's basically giving the finger to Mr. Peck right there. Yeah, I, like, I like that line also because I was just uh, I was going to make a comment about how 
I think what what I do like a lot about this movie is clearly this is an influential movie for a lot of other media that I've oh, yeah. enjoyed. So I was watching recent. I, I just happened to look up the, some clips from The Middleman, which is a favorite show of mine. And there's a whole episode in which it's full of homages to Ghostbusters, yes. and, which begins with a line about the walls are, you know, a full on walls were bleeding situation. They go to the uh, it's like Reitman University at like Ray Parker Jr. Avenue <laughs> and and they pose as uh, Dr. Stance and Zedmore. Um, you know, it's just I, I love that this is a clearly, a, you know, it's such a cultural touchstone that it does get referenced in a bunch of other things. Um, even I think to a certain degree, one of my favorite TV shows, Supernatural, ah, Supernatural, has some has some, you know, dues to pay. I think of every time I see, you know, someone on that show pull out like a, they have like the little EMF meters where they're scanning for like paranormal activity. Like, you know, that there's a clear homage there to, you know, the Ghostbusters era. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think this is. I- it was so popular and uh, successful that I think. Uh, I mean, I you have, you could argue to a certain extent that all those terrible, terrible reality ghost shows these days, oh yeah, all pay you are yeah are all like clear callbacks to to Ghostbusters. Yeah, no, I think you're right. We should talk about when Vinkman goes to the apartment when um, the keymaster is 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 uh, out on the loose, right? And he goes to Dana's apartment for his date, and she's been possessed by Zool. And what's what's great about this scene is that it's not in a in a modern day movie, it would be played very much for like a certain amount of dramatic irony, right? Like the audience would know, oh, she's possessed, but it would be played like, oh, he just thinks, you know, she's doing weird things, right? Like and it's he he pretty clearly like cottons on to what's going on very Almost early in the scene. Which I kind of love because then he's just playing like this woman is possessed by like you know a, a, like a power like a being yeah, of that, unspeakable that's a, power. That's a that's a different. What does he say? That's a different look for you, or that's a new <laughs> yeah. look for you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's cracking jokes the whole time. Can I speak? Is Dana in there? Can I speak to Dana? Oh, you know? Zuli, Zuli, Zuli. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's played very, very much for the comedy aspect, <laughs> yeah. which I really enjoy because he's got that like. There isn't like the bug eyed like when she starts floating above the bed. She sleeps on top of her sheets and you know <laughs> four feet high, four feet four above feet. the covers, four feet above. No, yeah, no. The line, the line is, "I want you inside me," and he goes, it's "Like sure, Go ahead. no, no, actually, no, no." There's you've... too many people in there already. There's too many people. <laughs> at least two. You've got already got at least two. Yeah, I love that. You know what I also love is this is the part where again, Venkman's this little bit of a sleaze, but you can also tell like. He doesn't cross the line here. He's not going to sleep with a possessed woman. Although he's con- he's conflicted, right? Well, I mean, he knows it'd be bad for I mean, him. He sort of does, but yes. But he's conflicted, right? He's like, I have a rule not to sleep with possessed people. Well, actually, it's yeah. more well, of a guideline. With a guideline. Yeah. yeah. Well, he keeps on going back and forth by it, but it's, at, at a certain point, he's just like, all right, I'm going to take care of you. As much as this hurts so, my my sleaze playboy image. So then he tranquilizes her, which apparently means he carries tranquilizer around with him. I mean, he's a Ghostbuster. I guess Corporal so. ghosts, maybe. Wow. No. I, I, yeah. But sure, that's a great that's scene because Sigourney Weaver, there's your, there's your special effect, by the way, the Sigourney Weaver's hair. Yes. I, by the way, I think, I think he may have run into a problem with the, with the FDA there because isn't he, he, he's a PhD in psychology, right? Yes. He's not I, a I don't, psychiatrist. He's not a psychiatrist. So. But he injects her with, with, uh, with a powerful sedative. With uh, Thorazine, Thorazine, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The, with the, he will have a problem that with he, the, with the DEA. With yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to jail. Man. He's very unscrupulous. I mean, they did go to the jail. Fortunately, so. the, fortunately the, 
the 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 building exploded Slater. So that uh that wrapped that up. That clear, that yeah, that clears up pretty much any evidence uh, issues. Wow, wow! But that is that is a, a a great scene, and and he is he's conflicted, and she's uh, there is no Dana, only Zool. Only Zool. Are you the keymaster? I'm a friend of his. Yeah, he asked me to come over. Yeah, yeah. no, that's 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 good stuff. I mean, that's Bill. I mean, it's Bill Murray at Bill Murray best, right? Just sort of like I'm just rolling with the punches. I'm just, you know, I'm riffing. Do you want this body? Is this a trick question? I guess the roses worked, huh? Take me now, sub creature. We never talk anymore. Easy. I'm making a rule: never to get involved with possessed people. Mm. Actually, it's more of a guideline than a rule. You know, I can. I want you inside me. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I can't. Sounds like you got at least two people in there already. Might be a little crowded. Um. So one topic I wanted to talk about in in all of this, where they're working on the uh, on the ectomobile and Pex walking into the uh, the firehouse and all that. Um. One of the things that strikes me about this movie, because it is from the '80s. Um, everyone's it, smoking. Everyone's smoking. You're yeah, exactly right. I noticed that this time yes. around, that that definitely grabbed me. I mean, you know, it's not just it's not just an affect these days. If somebody's smoking in a movie, it's it's, it's got to mean something, right? Yeah, it suggests something, right? Everybody in this movie, and you think about all these things where they're like they're doing all this stuff where really they probably shouldn't be smoking, right? right. Like with with like an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on your back, maybe not the best time to light up a cigarette. So, so here's the trap so or whatever. I'm gonna say, and this is my this is my little essay um, portion of the of the of the program. Um, I think there is a reason, and it's that um, with the jumpsuits, and Ray is like working on the car engine, smoking a cigarette with the jumpsuits. I mean, I I I wish I wish there wasn't so much smoking in this movie. It's actually one of the things that kind of turns me off about it in, in hindsight. But but. They are like plumbers. There's really this attempt to make these guys who we first see as like, you know, they're ivory tower, you know, fraud, fraudulent professors. And then as Ghostbusters, they, we're supposed to kind of see them like working class guys. They're, they're blue like collar guys. They're blue collar slobs um, that, you know, they they got their their sleeves rolled up. They're wearing the jumpsuits. They're they're fixing the, um, you know, they're fixing the engine of the car and all of that. And and uh, you know Vinkman's got the clipboard, and he comes in. He's smoking, and he's like, you know, they'll play by Visa, and we got a free repeater over here, and here's the next order sheet, and all this stuff. All of a sudden, um, these guys have gone from being, you know, um, Columbia University professors to being um, uh, plumbers, ghost plumbers, I guess. But you, that was the original original title. Of the movie Ghost yeah. Plumbers, am, am I am I off base here? I mean, I, I I feel like that was like done specifically to give them kind of a blue collar feeling. It it does seem to happen at a specific point. I noticed very. There's a very distinct like like you said. There's not much of it in the, earlier in the movie. Yeah, they're not doing then, it when they're at Columbia, right? Right, and then all of a sudden there is this switch. I it is very it's very stark the contrast between the two of them. I, and I don't know if if that's why or it's just you know hey. We're, we got we're money from our, the tobacco companies. Well, uh, we're risking our lives doing all this stuff too. Right, it's, you right. Know, smoking's probably not what's going to kill <laughs> right, us. Right, the ghosts will kill us first. I we don't might know. as well enjoy it. I don't know, but it's really noticeable. It's very strange. Um, yeah, I love the scene in the jail. I wanted to talk about that. 
That seems to remind me of uh, briefly of, of airplane a little. I don't know why. There's a, definitely that that comedic sort of uh, atmosphere to it. Where it's it's subtle, it's subtle, right? They got the background characters, right? They got all the other right, guys that are peering over the blueprints. And there's something in that that's very much got that slapstick comedy where it's like there's not much acknowledgement of the fact that it's bizarre that everybody's <laughs> watching them. You know, it's just sort of taking it. Yep, let's roll with it. We'll just keep going. You know, I I think and I, it's a lovely moment because it's kind of surreal and not overplayed. There's lots of exposition in there, right? That's where Egon explains that they that the they the cult of of Gozer um you know built this spook central and had the crazy construction and worshiped animal or sacrificed animals and all of that stuff um but there are also some great jokes cuz that there's actually um if you look carefully at at um at Bill Murray especially when um when Dan Aykroyd says you never studied um they they're totally just laughing through that entire scene. They 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 can't keep a straight face, and it just is. It's in the movie because I guess that's that's as good as a god. But um, and then he comes back with Gozer worshippers and says, "Never studied." Like he's they're scoring points on each other. And meanwhile, these all these random like guys in the Huskow are just kind of listening as the Ghostbusters have these whole arguments and and at one point Zedemore is like I got to get my own lawyer. <laughs> I got to get out of here. I I w- wasn't even there. Let me out. Um and Bill Murray sings uh Santa Claus is coming to town but he sings the spooky version um to scare all of the guys from the jail who are listening into their conversation. So be good. For goodness sake. Whoa, somebody's we coming. We have to get out of here. We've got Somebody to find a judge or something. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, 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 hey. Hold it. Now, we're actually going to go before a federal judge and say that some moldy Babylonian god is going to drop in on Central Park West and start tearing up the city. Sumerian, not Babylonian. Yeah, big difference. It's just, it's a crazy scene because it is doing comedy, uh, character comedy. It's advancing the plot, uh, a lot of exposition. Um, and there's the surreal aspect of the fact that they're surrounded by like 15 prisoners while they're while they're looking at blueprints that they've apparently been allowed to have in the jail cell, which makes no sense. Because you, you you can't cut a prisoner with a with a blueprint, right? Well, you get the sense that the Ghostbusters have been placed in the jail reluctantly, right? That that although the EPA guy wants them in jail. Everybody else, you know, they, presumably they're well known and they're kind of liked. So that, well, there so is they, that great scene that we sort of glossed over a little bit, where they come and shut down the reactor. Where you've got the, I love that they've got the Con Edison guy there, who's like, I've never, seen I have never like seen this. anything like this. And he's, you know, in the hard hat, and he's just like, yep. I'm just doing what they tell me to. You know, you can see he thinks it's a bad idea. <laughs> oh yeah. But I mean, I, I kind of like that's the same sort of dichotomy, right? That we we're talking about with the, you know, I think there's like a the blue collar like like stick togetherness right to a certain extent like the utility guys like yeah, i don't want to screw these guys they're here doing their job but yeah you know i gotta do my job or else i'll get fired and everybody in the prison's kind of like well you know they're not really a threat or anything they're just they're just doing this thing they're, they they provide a public service yeah exactly so al from Die Hard comes and frees them <laughs> from their cell the mayor they, wants to see the mayor you gotta go the mayor wants to rap with me about some things um Scene in the mayor's office, which we touched on earlier. Um, one of the weird things in it is that the cardinal comes in. Yeah. <laughs> what should I do? And it's silent, right? He, they're like talking about, you know, what does it all mean and where is it coming from? And then the cardinal walks in and they're like, aha, he will have the answer. And instead, he's just like, how you doing, Letty? Well, you know, that's the thing. You know, I, 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 I remember the first time I saw it with my mom. 
who's kind of anti-Catholic. And and she's and I remember. Wait, you went to she, Catholic school? I I, I, I went to Catholic school, but my mom is kind of anti-Catholic. All but right, um, okay. um, <laughs> there's you know when 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 the cardinal comes in, or he's probably an archbishop. Uh, okay, um, right. The mayor kisses his ring, and I remember, yes. <laughs> I remember my mom went oh. <laughs> of course she she groaned over over the punchline of that bit was. How's it going, Mike? You know, thanks for coming, Mike. How's it going, Lenny? It's, we're in a we're in a fix here, and um, and of course, you know, it turns out he said, uh, you know, don't quote me on this. The church isn't going to take. It's a very political scene. Oh yeah, you know, the church isn't going to take an official position on whether this is somehow, you know, the end of the world. But you know, I think personally, <laughs> personally, yeah. So I love that scene. It's it's it, very it's it's very yeah, it reminded down to earth. me of a uh, it reminded me of a scene from another one of my favorite movies, which I think we discussed on a previous podcast, Hudson Hawk, where there's a where there's a scene with uh, with the a, a cardinal talking to someone, and he goes, "Oh, the Pope warned me never to trust the CIA," which it just has <laughs> that, it has that great little like. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. He's he's in the church, but he's just an ordinary. Schmuck. Dan, every time you and Ben are on a podcast, you're going to have to bring up Hudson Hawk. I think it's <laughs> it's it's a requirement. It's now it's, it's a now moral required. imperative. Yes. Um, no, this it, it is a great scene. And then uh, we we in addition to you know yes, this man has no dick and all of that. We we have um uh y- you'll Lenny <laughs> you'll save the lives of millions of registered voters. He makes Venkman makes the political appeal. And the mayor calculates it and basically does the right thing, which is like, well, you know, I can throw the Ghostbusters in jail and have no idea what to do. They seem to think they know what to do. So let's go with that. Speaking of callback, did anyone, maybe it's just me again, but that reminded me greatly of uh, Miracle on 34th Street. (laughs) Where the judge is trying to figure out whether or not yeah. to declare whether or not there's and a it's Santa a political Claus. Calculation. It's a political thing, yeah. and the guy's like, you know, I know these guys are all the voters, and think about, you know, what the kids will say and all that. But it, it, there was definitely a weird sort of simpatico vibe going no, on there. For me. you're right that in the end, in the end, uh, and there's the the cynical aspect of it that, that, right. that's actually funny, which is yes, the world may be ending, the lives of everybody in, on planet Earth may be on the line. And in the end, it's kind of a political uh, decision by the mayor of New York City that that ends up solving it. He's like, you know, we'll go with the Ghostbusters. Get the I EPA just, guy out of here. That's how things in New York get settled. Right. Is yeah. that, that's how I understand things. Yeah. I'm going to miss how they, him. That's how they get done. <laughs> I'm going to send you a fruit basket. Uh, uh. And we never see William Atherton again except silently on the street where he's covered in marshmallow. It's a lovely end to An his An ignominious character. end for Mr. Peck. Um, okay, so then they queue up the music and they run some red wow. lights and they can we, go. Can we, can we have a can we have a minute about about Ray Parker Jr. and how, uh, awesome, oh, Ray Parker and how Jr. awesome that song is? All right, all right. Th- that's not the song they play right here, but yes, oh, let's, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Ray Parker Jr. I hear that he stole Huey Lewis's bass line. Right, that's, that is the the thing. Right, Just borrowed, borrowed it, borrowed, borrowed it. He'll return it. All right, he'll return it. Uh, no, I, I, th- I mean that that song. Besides being arguably one of the most iconic things from this movie, oh yeah, um, it's just I don't know. I I started playing it in my car because I happen to have it on a obviously on like an MP3 or something, and I started playing it in my car, and I was like, man, this is a really good song. It's catchy. <laughs> it's it really super well, catchy. Well, I was just and I was just reading through the trivia on the IMDb page about how he had a real trouble coming up with it until he saw the commercial, right. which they apparently were showing on TV um, as part of the publicity campaign. Um, like the 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 actual Ghostbusters, you know, 
Yes. Like, you know, Are you haunted by a spook, specter, right. or a ghost? And, and, and he re-envisioned it as a jingle and, like, it, you know, came right out there. Um, and it's just, I don't know, there's something about that song that is just, it's got everything, right? Like, you know, weird sound effects at the beginning. Oh, yeah. And crazy, like, you know, Beverly Hills Cop synth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, can't have an 80s movie without it it's just so good and what you don't know is, is probably is that um on the soundtrack they they put the instrumental version of it which meant that every episode of dr demento for 10 years featured some guy singing <laughs> fake lyrics over the, the the theme from ghostbusters because cool with that. everybody had the instrumental version of ghostbusters um just the other day um this in my house um my kids tried to make a who you're gonna call joke and they got it wrong which is the funniest part they're like who who is it that you're going to talk to on the phone (laughs) no you should have said ghostbusters (laughs) but that's not the oh never mind close they're trying they are trying trying, they know they know they their mother has taught them actually very specifically that whenever anybody asks you who you're gonna call there is only one answer to be given ghostbusters it's the it is the only it's correct the answer. only answer it's true okay so they go to spook central and they run the red lights and the national guard and all of that and uh a funny and scene, they fall into a pit a funny they scene down get below. they get out for their big thing and the crowd is cheering and chanting ghostbusters and and uh and uh venkman introduces you know race dance the heart of the ghostbusters and then the ground opens up and swallows them whole no cgi there no, no, they built like nice, a nice, uh, nice movable sidewalk yeah, they, special effects scene. They built a, a sidewalk with a crack, but that's nice that they they think they're so cool, and then immediately um, they're swallowed. But they get out, they get out, they climb out of the pit, and uh, and then immediately have to walk up all the flights of stairs to get to the uh, to get to the penthouse. Tell me it's tell me when it's twenty so I can throw up. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, very heroic. Um, and they get up to the top, and uh, and uh, we get to see uh, Gozer. The the terror dogs uh, get on their little pedestals, and and they open the uh, they open the gate, and in comes Gozer, who uh, looks like either David Bowie or a I'm gonna go with David Bowie or a, an Eastern European model of Both. some sort. Yeah, Both. yeah. Why can't Both. it be both? It, it actually well, can. It was, yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah, she's from like Czechoslovakia or something, or yeah. Yugoslavia, or one of the, one something of them, like one that. of them Slavs, it's, it's something that doesn't exist. Yeah, and anymore, they dubbed, and then they dubbed in uh, a, a voice. But that was that's a that's a kind of cool, um, weird moment where where Zedmore says, "I thought Gozer was a man," and and Erase uh, or Egon says, "It's whatever it wants to be." That it really it's kind of off putting. It's like this is not, you know, this is not a a, a person. This is a supernatural being in their bubble wrap outfit <laughs> scratching their giant terror dogs on the on the head and yet ray still tries to talk to it sensically yeah he 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 um go get by her the, ray by the authority of the city the people county of, and state of new york, new york. <laughs> please return to the nearest convenient parallel dimension that's great ray thanks that's how i'm going to tell people off from the next you know from now on yeah please please return to your your home dimension or the nearest convenient parallel dimension um are you a god no and die <laughs> and die uh or at least be pushed around by pur- purple lightning yeah that was kind of lame don't you think well little little i wonder little where they got there. that from yeah 
Well, yeah, Zul we'll must think, uh, I mean, Gozer must think that humans are even more fragile than we actually are. That that purple lightning will kill them. This bitch is toast. Yeah, but so so they they get out their stuff and they shoot and they shoot her and and she disappears, um, uh, which is interesting. So you know they they try to use the tools that they've got and they 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 think they've won and it's Miller time and only then do we have the thing that that maybe makes this movie, um, uh, as much of a classic as it is and the reason I think people remember it so fondly, other than the song, is um. Is they're given the option to choose choose and perish, and then J. Edgar Hoover appears to destroy them all. No, I mean, <laughs> you can see when you watch that scene too. You can see that everybody else is keeping it out of their heads, and you can see Dan Aykroyd's face as he kind of enters a reverie about his time roasting marshmallows by the fire at Camp Wakanda. Couldn't and, he hurt anybody? <laughs> and, <laughs> it just popped in there. And then we—it's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Which is, I mean, which is, it's alluded to earlier in the film, which I really enjoyed. When Dana's Dana's unpacking her groceries, she's got a, a bag yeah. of Stay Puft marshmallows, Stay and then there's a sign somewhere. There's like an ad, on a billboard for Stay Puft. Um, Looks I, a little bit like the Michelin Man. What what a mm, what a fantastic, um, creative leap this is to have a Godzilla-like creature, except it's this adorable. Uh, Michelin man like uh, Marshmallow Man rampaging through the streets of New York, smashing churches and stepping on people and with a smile on its face. Yeah. Amazing. I just love Egon's line here where it's like Peter's like, all right, what have you got? No, sorry. I'm terrified beyond the capacity for rational thought. thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because Ray's gone bye bye. And then Egon <laughs> is terrified beyond the capacity for rational thought. <laughs> And then Vegman goes, nobody steps on a church in my yeah, town. Yeah, <laughs> mother pus bucket. Um, yeah, I went past that church. Again, New York City, I went past that church, and I was like, nobody steps on a church in my town. It's that church. <laughs> um, that's not a, one of their better special effects. It's like a picture of a no. church and a picture of a foot. And it's like, yeah, that foot really crushed that church. Yeah. You show them, foot. But then they, they we've, then got, catches on fire we've got these and... positron packs, and we can, we can roast the marshmallow man. Not not how I expected to go out, roasted by a hundred foot tall marshmallow man. <laughs> uh, but that I mean, yeah, I mean the the marshmallow man is so I cannot stop laughing when I see that every single time I can't stop laughing because he's got a big smile, he's got his little hat, he's very happy, and he's walking down the streets of New York, crushing crushing taxis <laughs> and smashing buildings. <laughs> it's oh man. That is that is great, and then and then he's quite horrifying, right? When he gets to the building and he looks up and he goes, Rah! "Yeah," it's like, "Oh God, I know, oh this is bad." Um, and so they cross the streams. Yeah, I thought you said that was a bad. Stream. Yeah, a you know that turned out that turned out that it really wasn't that big of a deal to cross the streams, was it? I mean, yeah, you can close a dimensional portal, but I mean, you, there was no. There's definitely a very slim reversal. chance we'll survive. Mm. Yeah, this job not worth eleven five a year again. <laughs> Get a Winston Zedmore ask for a raise. You know that was a pretty big explosion too that followed. Yeah, well, I mean, pretty... but it was it was a cross dimensional explosion. In fact, well, there was a lot of fire out there in in New York City. Right, that's true. That's and, true. And really, to this day, I don't understand how it was that all of those people were covered in goo and everything else, and marshmallow. And... Except for Vankman. Except for Vankman. Who just that had, had to have been like a con- was that a was that a 
Was that a contractual Bill, thing? Bill, do you think Bill Murray didn't want to be covered in shaving cream? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It, it makes you wonder. There is there is that moment where he appears and and uh, they ask how he is and he says fine and and Dan Aykroyd looks at him like why are you not covered in goo, and it's never explained. One He's of the great mysteries like left left as an exercise for the audience. For the audience, where was Venkman that he uh, that he didn't get covered in marshmallow? And then we were very sad that that Dana Barrett clearly it just smells like the... burned up dog hair, but in fact, Dana and Lewis um, survived. Isn't that nice that when the terror dogs are are uh, are burned up, they they uh, they leave they their little humans, a little human shell inside, little human nougat. Delicious. Wow, that's exactly what I want in my candy. <laughs> in your candy terror dog, there's a human uh, yeah. inside. Not not my Halloween candy. Terror terror dog shell on the outside. <laughs> Creamy human nugget in the inside. Sigourney so, Weaver on the uh, inside. Okay, that so good, this actually. this entire film, this hour and forty, forty five minute film. Yes. We're asked to accept that there are there are ghosts in, in the New York City library, that there is sure. this Sumerian god, that there was a there was a death cult in the nineteen uh-huh. twenties yep. that had the, the, the resources uh, to to build this this building with the uh, liquid selenium core, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But no you know, I'll tell you, I, I'm willing to accept all of that. But I am absolutely unwilling to this day to accept that uh, those people were able to survive and end up in in little little terror dog shells. That uh, that they lost me right then. <laughs> that's and there. where it, that that's was where it. it breaks it. That was how, it for me. What how, what? how is it that they could end up in the in the ridiculous, ridiculous, absurd? Yeah, yeah, you know, bad luck, by the way, for the uh, for the Gozer worshippers that, you know, they tried to make Gozer come in in uh, in the twenties and they failed. But uh, you know, th- th- there's a moment there which makes me think of it as a. Uh, it it kind of comes across almost like a Doctor Who episode to me a little bit. How so? I don't know. There was something about it that struck me as a vibe. Maybe it's because there was an episode of Doctor Who with like uh, the Empire State Building wasn't there in the last few years. Yeah. In like the twenties, yeah, and it just something about it struck me as like, well, you know, we're going to use science, and it's going to turn out okay. And everybody you thought was dead <laughs> right. turns out they're alive. They're fine. It's pretty cool. Everyone's nobody fine. dies. Dan, Dan, second, uh, second viewing of Ghostbusters. Uh, what do you think? Uh, in you know, as a, as a relative uh, non <laughs> Jason, knowledgeable, I, I think I can viewer I can sum it up in uh, just a couple words by saying, Bustin makes me feel good. All right. That's that's a nice verdict. Will you watch it a third time someday? I think I will. I not not perhaps immediately, but I I think I would certainly not say no. I will never watch Ghostbusters again. All right, because I would hurt your feelings. That's quite a yeah. That's quite. A, that's why John Syracuse is not invited to this. Podcast. I may never watch Real Genius again. I hate to break it yeah. to you, but I I don't want not, you to. Not not not, not don't not watch it again. In fact, okay. Now I will never you're, watch you're Real banned. Genius again. You're banned from watching. Yeah, you're banned. It. You don't deserve it. <laughs> you don't appreciate it. You don't deserve it. I will That's enjoy true. William Atherton in Real Genius, and you will not. You can enjoy uh, him in this movie. Yes. I'll or Die Hard. Die Hard. Yeah. I, I do love Die Hard. I see. We knew that about you. I know. Uh, Ren, positive feelings about Ghostbusters? Very positive. Uh, I, I will indeed call on the Ghostbusters again for a, for a feel-good, funny movie. They're ready to believe you. They are. Sometimes they do. 
Ben, are you going to watch Ghostbusters 15 more times before you die and become a ghost? I will, and, and I'll, I'll watch it with my children. But, you know, I was thinking as I was watching it uh, in preparation for this, for this podcast, just how much the incomparable has in common with Venkman, Stance, and Spengler. Interesting. Um, your theories are the worst kind of popular tripe. Yes. Your methods are sloppy. Yes. And your conclusions are highly questionable. Indeed. Which one of us is which? <laughs> that's, that's the good question. It's all. It, <laughs> can, can I be Winston? Because <laughs> this 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 podcast definitely not worth eleven five a year. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Okay. Well, I I'm going to be Venkman. Uh, ben yeah, Ben I is going to be Egon. Uh, Ren is enthusiastic, so she can be Ray. Oh goody! Did you see it has a pole? <laughs> that's right. I want to want to stay I wanna here. Camp out here. Yeah. Let's go get our bags. And and Dan, you are. You are Winston Zeddemore. Hey, if this it's got a steady paycheck, I'll believe anything you want. <laughs> Thank you. Excellent. All right. Well, I think that we've uh, uh, <laughs> we we should split up and do more damage that way. <laughs> but and and so in order to do that, we will close this uh, edition of the Incomparable. It's been nice reminiscing about Ghostbusters. It was nice to watch it again and and pay attention and uh, and. Uh, take some notes about this movie that I've seen a million times before. So I hope everybody out there has a happy Halloween and Hey, watch Ghostbusters. Maybe that might be a fun thing to do at Halloween. It's not, it's not gory or anything. It's not really scary, but it's, it's fun. And there's a couple scary ghosts in it. And David Bowie guy, (laughs) girl being whatever it wants to be is in it too. Um, so I would like to thank my guests before we go. Uh, ben Boychuk, thank you again for uh, holding up the uh, old man side of the equation tonight. Thanks thanks again for having me. Yeah. Uh, Serenity Caldwell, thank you for being here and and uh, and uh, sharing your thoughts about a movie you've seen more than two times. Uh, it was very fun. I enjoyed it. Yes. Great. Great having you. And Dan Morin, thank you for watching Ghostbusters. Uh a second time and not like projected onto a sheet in the quad in uh, in college movie. Night. Hey, if you're going to have to watch it, that's a that's a pretty pretty good way to watch it, yes. I gotta say. Hey, Dan, Ren, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Oh, we could do better than that, but that'll be another time. Thank you everybody for listening to the incomparable. Goodbye. You pulled real genius right out of your hat there. I did. I this is just you know I rolled with the punches. That's how you it can works. count on Dan for movie references, even if they're from movies he's rarely seen. This is true. I've only seen Real Genius like once, <laughs> one time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about some movies of the late nineties, and I think then I'll be I'll be all over that. We'll make you an honorary member of the eighties yet. Hey, I lived through the entirety of the eighties. Did you really? That's yeah, but you didn't I did. appreciate them. I really didn't. I, all I remember is having a terrible haircut and being married, made to wear terrible clothes. <laughs> you, you were married it in the sounded, 80s? It sounded oh like it. I fine. You know what? Fine. I was, I was married in the eighties. It was. It was. It was, <laughs> it was illegal. A crazy time. It was illegal, so <laughs> it was annulled later. I didn't want to talk about it. But now it's out there. But now my secret is I'm coming clean. Maybe you traveled back in time. 
Ooh, that's so. there we go. There's a Back, back to, to the, the Future. future. All right, we're rolling. We're getting on. You up know, there. it's funny because no, nah, I'll save it for the podcast.